0: Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. First of all, thanks for being here. We invest quite a bit into the podcast and really appreciate when you come back each week. And we have a lot of goodness coming your way in terms of you taking the driver's seat of your own health over the next couple of months. So can you make sure you're subscribed to the podcast? And would you consider sharing this podcast with someone today? It doesn't have to be this specific episode about poop, but if you look at the list and it makes you think of someone, it would be so helpful and we would appreciate it so much if you'd send um, someone that episode or better yet, if you want where you feel um, inspired to screenshot any episode you love, share it on social media and tag me. I'll see that and send you the biggest hug online. So this week's episode really came in as an Instagram question. Someone sent me a message and said, what's the best probiotic? And, you know, that's like such a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, Well, what's the problem? And the context was that it was a teenager that had idiopathic constipation. Now, idiopathic just means like no apparent cause. So that's why we're going to talk about root causes of constipation, because I guess I think things have a cause. So let's back up and talk big picture, and then we'll zoom into those root causes. Nearly everyone experiences constipation at some point of their lives, A recent survey showed that about 16% of Americans and a third of those over 60 suffer from chronic constipation. Now, man, I was surprised to see those stats because I feel like it's so much more, but I'm probably living in a corner of talking to people with irregular bowel movements all the time. So constipation can be the reason for a lot of clinic visits every year and lots of ER encounters. In fact, even my own daughter a couple years ago at the state fair, we were camping, there was poor hydration, and she was just kind of doubled over in pain. And I'm glad I didn't discount it and having a friend whose, you know, son had his appendix burst the other day who was also doubled over in pain. But you know, it was just sort of like, uh, I'm glad it was that simple. But It would be great not to have an ER visit to realize like, oh, you didn't hydrate and you haven't pooped and you're camping. So anyway, it could happen to any of us. And most of us don't even recognize a lack of a daily bowel movement as constipation. I'm here to tell you that the ideal poop is a type four on the Bristol stool chart. If you don't know what that is, you can Google it up. And that looks like a banana, preferably done in the morning, anywhere from or anywhere from one to three times a day. That's kind of the gold standard. So why you probably wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't know it was a big deal already. But why do we need to go regularly? Well, bowel movements are one of our pillars of detoxification or amunctory functions. I'll talk about amontory functions in a minute. Um, these these are a major way we get rid of toxins and waste from our body. So it's important that this happens regularly, so we're not reabsorbing some of those wastes and we create a lot of problems. Anyone who's been through this can attest to feeling kind of uncomfortable, bloated, distended, having gas. So, bottom line, it's detoxification. You've got to get it out, or you can experience discomfort, brain fog, fatigue, and other issues when you're not clearing garbage. So, other waste moving or amunctory functions essential um, to us include anything related to the lymph system or the fluid system, respiration, so breath. It's a huge part of a monctory or detoxification function, hydration in and out, food in and out, anything we put on or in us that needs to come out. So back to constipation there are many different causes of constipation. There's like the simple and the more difficult. So diet, genetic predisposition, when I think of genetic predisposition, I think of, um, I always love to kind of reference like FUT2 genes, those, and I have very bad genes in a lot of areas, but that just means like I'm going to be more genetically predisposed to having more gut issues than someone else. Um, it's going to be, it's going to take less for me to backslide. Um, motility or the migrating motor complex, colonic motility. So these are just like this is like the janitor that kind of m- cleans up. And so when we're eating constantly and we're not giving our migrating motor complex an opportunity to have a break between meals. Sometimes that may affect our motility. There's other things that may affect our motility, depression, like essentially neurotransmitter function, which is affected largely by how well we digest protein, absorb amino acids, etc. Because all of that, um, like 5-HTP, which is a precursor to serotonin is also shown to help with colonic motility. So if you have slow colon, like this is a, these are kind of diagnostic sort of criteria, but it's like, well, why would you have poor colonic motility, or why would you have slow bowel movements? Um, okay. So causes diet, genetic predisposition, motility issues, um, absorption issues, um, some pharmaceuticals for sure. Um, anxiety, those are all potential, like There's an emotional component. I always back up and say there's like three key angles. You can go about it from the emotional perspective. The structural perspective, is there motility issues or some other inflammatory issue in the bowels? Um, is there a nutritional issue that could, or a bacterial imbalance that could affect that? And then also where are our emotions playing into a role? Everyone has experienced, okay, maybe not everyone, but most people have experienced that being away from home poop problem, right? And people can be, I've had this conversation with so many people recently because it's summer and we're vacationing still. We're kind of wrapping that up anyway. Um, but we can have people that have really struggled to use the bathroom. And I mean, using stimulants in that perspective, there's different types of stimulants can be a great choice. And at the end of this post, or the end of this conversation, I'm going to give some kind of like quick tips for constipation. But if I've, I've seen people like be within a mile of home, and there's something about just being there that we could have, can't put our finger on that makes you comfortable enough to go. And that is the emotional stuff. That's not incredibly tangible, but it kind of manifests and becomes a little bit more tangible when we see that. All right. So other common causes of bowel irregularity would be irritable bowel syndrome, which is kind of a, I would like to call it a trash can diagnosis. It's like, I have some issues with my gut. So you have IBS. I think that IBS isn't really a root cause. I think that bacterial imbalances and these other causes of constipation are more likely the real cause of IBS. So let's talk about those other causes. We talked about diet. So essentially low dietary fiber intake. But if you have gut bacteria that's imbalanced, your body can't use that fiber properly to make the gut healing fatty acids that it should make. And so instead, it ferments that makes it into gas, bloating and constipation. So even though gas is common, it's not normal. And that is a paradigm shift, I think, personally for me growing up in my family, I feel like it's a paradigm shift. I don't feel like people recognize that this was bad. Very occasionally, there are some things that maybe people aren't digesting super well. If you don't eat broccoli commonly and it's only cooked at a certain level where its own enzymes are killed or you don't make your own enzymes to really digest that because of your infrequent consumption of it, then at first, yeah, it might cause some gas. But longer term, that should subside and you should not have regular gas from that. And there might be just certain trouble foods that you can identify and say, hmm, I might just have a little bit of trouble digesting those because gas is a sign of poor digestion. And poor digestion, even if you don't see it, even if you don't see fibers of food on the other side, gas and bloating is part of that. And that bacteria, essentially what happens is the undigested things feed the bad stuff. And the bad stuff is really a huge root cause of constipation. But back to some simpler things, um, because that may not be the cause for everyone. Even low fiber intake in general, as a big picture piece, uh, is means that you're not going to feed your good bacteria. And so the less, the, the smaller amount of good bacteria you have, that's like a parking lot, and it's going to allow bad bacteria, that's kind of under recognized, to come in, set up shop, and cause more issues overall. So, and it doesn't take very long for this to happen, which is kind of annoying. So sometimes by changing our diet dramatically for um, maybe a week or two, we can actually kind of turn around our ball movements. So poor hydration and adequate water intake, like my own daughter's story, um, and poor mineral intake is a big piece because minerals are essential to the, to the digestive process, including stomach acid production, which is really how we break down those proteins. Um, not a very, like you don't move or a sedentary lifestyle. And that may just affect migrating motor complex and overall motility, um and then another kind of like traditional thing that we look at for poor or poor bowel movements or root causes of constipation is not responding to the urge to poop or not responding to the urge to defecate. So I want to actually talk about this because a quick strategy can be scheduling time like 10 minutes to just sit on the toilet to kind of create a comfortable feeling for your body. Remember how the body seems to respond emotionally to, you know, being away from home. And then once you get home, it's like, Oh, the the urge hits you in a similar way. If you start to kind of condition yourself, like to give yourself some time in the morning, because so often we make, we wake up in kind of a stressed fashion. And so our body's like, Oh, don't have time for that right now. And so if we wake up not in a stress fashion, not checking our phone immediately, not immediately reacting, and we go in and drink a big glass of water as our first thing and schedule a little time to sit on the toilet and you know maybe do some breath work while we're sitting on the toilet, over time that can really help improve the urge to have a bowel movement in the morning. I think another sneaky cause of low or slow motility could potentially not for everyone, this is a loaded thing, could be our um, a fascination with fasting. I don't think I mean, fasting has its place. But sometimes we've been doing it, I actually had to take like a self check recently, that I first learned or kind of embraced fasting in 2017. That was four years ago. And since then, I'm not really using it as a as a tool in my health toolbox um, anymore, intentionally, but I kind of in unintentionally fast, otherwise known as skipping breakfast, which is actually one of my favorite meals, um, or I'll eat later. And so I actually had to step back and look at the intentionality of that because Contrary to belief, right, where we reduce our stuff, it can actually make us kind of gain weight and screw up our metabolism if we're not kind of intentional about things in general. But the other thing it can do is kind of slow down, like if we aren't eating at kind of regular times or frequent like consistent times, um we don't always have that migrating motor complex stopping and going essentially. So that can create a situation where you're not kind of having normal bowel movements and not even the urge to eat in the morning. All right. So something I just can't help myself, but jump to anytime I'm talking about something that's related to it, which is so many things, food sensitivities, etc, is gut dysbiosis or gut imbalances. I call this the stepsister of what is well recognized gut permeability. So we know gut permeability is well recognized. If you search PubMed, which is our research repository, you'll see thousands of articles about gut permeability or intestinal permeability, but gut dysbiosis, you can't exactly search the exact same term and get exactly what you're going to see because there's so many different types of bacteria that could be overgrown. And that's where this doesn't fit neatly into a little tiny little package with a bow. Uh, But it's a huge problem. I mean, this is what I talk about all day every day. It contributes to constipation because imbalanced gut microbiota, that are really underappreciated. So overgrowth of certain bacillus, streptococcus, enderococcus, those create prevotella, those create a wrench for the digestive enzyme processes. If you don't have like enough good healthy bacteria, enzymes don't fire well. And that could be any enzyme, which could contribute to food sensitivities as well. That and here's another rationale of food sensitivities, undigested proteins and carbs that are not getting processed well, feed that bad bacteria, they cause those symptoms like gas, constipation, bloating. Um, And they can also cause loose stool as well. But then they often contribute to poor bowel movements. So beneficial normal bacterial flora like bifidobacteria lactobacillus would aid in regularity. So when someone asks me what a good probiotic is, I just don't, I mean, for me, I want people to understand what's going on. (laughs) So there's never a question when someone's like, I have a quick question. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not a a quick question (laughs) because I can't give quick answers. So what's going on in the microbiome is not always what meets the eye or you wouldn't specifically know what you're looking for um, without kind of understanding some of those underappreciated bacteria that can overgrow and enough of them can overgrow where you can start to see symptoms. So symptoms, just to reiterate, symptoms you might notice when you're not eliminating is feeling full or distended or bloated after eating, especially zero to two hours or even all the time, brain fog, because those bad bacteria consume your nutrients and they give off waste and that waste for some, some of those, they're called endotoxins. You can look that up as well. Endotoxins can cross the blood brain barrier and cause a lot of brain fog. Or they might just cause other symptoms, maybe since you're not pooping, your body needs to get rid of it some other fashion. And maybe you're not breathing. You know, we're not breathing amazingly. And like, that's not a strategy for us to get rid of you know, some of the things we need to get rid of, not hydrating well, so we're not urinating well. And guess what happens? The skin starts to act up. So we can have a genetic predisposition to have things show up on the skin. But the skin is a safe place for our body to get rid of things. And if you're constipated, it makes perfect sense that you would have skin issues. So I hope that was super uh, helpful for a few people, at least. So let's review what is constipation Very fully, like in the big picture, it's trouble fully emptying your bowels or having incomplete bowel movements, going less than a few times per week, really less than every day, or passing hard or lumpy stools. That would be the type one or two, aka rabbit turds uh, on the Bristol stool chart. I don't think it says that on the Bristol stool chart, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. Good to keep in mind. Every case is different. It's important to enlist a practitioner who actually understands this. A lot of people don't. a lot of people do. And I mean, I do. The practitioners in my practice do. And there's a, a lot of colleagues of mine do. But you may not have heard this anywhere else so far. So that's what we're here for. So let's talk about what you can do in the short term when you're trying to go because you got to get waste out. So here's some of like the basic recommendations you should do first before diving into like full-fledged testing and all these other things. If it's been a long, long, long-term issue, great. But here's some basics you can do first. Basics would be hydration, minerals, electrolytes. That's like apps like the most important thing. You won't move if you're things won't move. <laughs> if you're not well hydrated, it can make a big difference in energy. Those cofactors are needed for a bajillion enzyme reactions, specifically like magnesium's necessary for over 3000 enzyme reactions, including stomach acid. And my tip, my applicable tip here is I wake up and the first thing I do, like, I have not had an amazing morning routine, which is kind of like the, um, that's kind of the foundation to a good life. But if you can have like five things in your morning routine, maybe sitting on the toilet drinking water, whatever. If you have like for most of us, we should, if we can only do one thing, it would be to go drink the water. So my great tip, I think it's a great tip is to go drink two cups of water right in the morning. You can experiment with this. Sometimes hot water will stimulate motility or warm water will stimulate motility a little bit. For some people, lemon stimulates the motility. A wall squat after this can really stimulate it. I mean, that's like the, the fancy version of this. Otherwise, hydrate first before you dehydrate. I would say hydrate before you dehydrate if you're going to have coffee. Or by the way, I hate to break it to you. Coffee is having to use coffee before you can poop is not normal. So the goal is for us, like if you need to do that now, but you know, you want to get better. That's great. That's always kind of one of our goals with clients is we'd love for you to poop without the coffee pretty soon. All right. So, and then the other thing is always have water on hand, fill one of those big water um, containers. And a lot of us, if we fill, if we have two giant ones, I think mine's 34 ounces. If I do two of those a day, I'm good to go. All right. Electrolytes help with flavor and they help majorly hydrate because electrolytes are simply minerals. All right. So once hydration is sure, focus on fiber. So over the counter, traditional, going to see the doctor, people, the most common thing people get given for constipation is Metamucil. That's fine to start with because you want to poop, but other food sources, um, could be, are great. So fibers in a lot of foods, Some of these I understand can be gas promoting. Pick what works for you. Beans, broccoli, berries, apples, figs, prunes, basically all fruits and vegetables. Um, You can increase your resistant starch fibers by cooking a potato or rice, refrigerating it. It doubles those resistant starches as fibers. And then if you, you can reheat them and it's, it doesn't seem to affect the, to my knowledge, doesn't affect the starch content. And that will massively increase that fiber consumption as well. Psyllium husk is an option. Other kind of prebiotic fiber options include banana fiber, um, artichoke, et cetera. All right, movement, getting some daily movement in can be an important piece of moving things inside your body. So just taking a walk in the morning or riding a bike or doing something, doing some yoga, going for a hike. Um, As far as having kind of like consistent constipation, if you're really stuck, just speaking of like physical interventions, you can go to a, you can get some bowel stimulation from a massage therapist. You can technically stimulate that and that can help as well. All right. Here are some other of my quick tips, whole flaxseed. And then the other fun piece of this, so whole flaxseed, you don't really get like, the nutritional benefits from as much, uh, the ground flaxseed you do, but whole flaxseed goes right through you. And so you can just, I tend to just recommend like put a little bit in a little bit of water, shoot it down. And then when you see that, you're going to see that in the other end. That doesn't mean you necessarily digest bad. No one's going to break that down. Uh, corn is a little bit like that as well. No one really does that very well. Uh, if you do congratulations, you are better than most of us. Um, but whole flaxseed, what we're looking for there is what is your transit time? And how long is it taking for the flaxseed to get from one end to the other? So, but even, I mean, and we've talked at length on this podcast about how good ground flaxseed is, but the whole flaxseed is what we're looking for, for bowel stimulation. I already talked about abdominal massage. You can call and ask your local massage place about their experience, or if they have a recommendation for you. The other thing I see people very commonly come to me with is magnesium citrate or oxide. Oxide is an osmotic laxative, which draws water into the intestine that can cause some not very fun cramping. Um, Citrate is usually better tolerated. It does have citric acid in it. So taking it long term, ongoing, 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 um, can be a little bit hard on the enamel on your teeth. And then what I want to say is that's kind of just like coffee. We taking magnesium is great because most people are super stressed and we don't magnesium, but we do want you to be able to poop without magnesium citrate, which might take a little bit more of a root cause approach. However, in the short term, got to poop. So you can take 500, 2000 milligrams at night, typically, you know, a scoop or two of natural calm, non-sponsored uh, thousand milligrams or so is an effective dose uh, magnesium can be kind of finicky. Start with a lower dose, titrate up. So you can notice the effect might take up to a couple of days. I would also say that this isn't the most absorbable form. of. So if you take this and you're like, I take magnesium, it's not really super absorbable. It's mostly helping you poop. I mean, that's why it's helping you poop. Not super duper awesome for absorption. So those are some tips to help you get started. That's kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And if you feel like you've already been dealing with this a long time, you'd like some help with it then myself and the other practitioners at the less stress life nutrition including our rn can help you navigate this so we can run some cool tests and show you exactly what's going on on the inside and target it very thoroughly effectively and efficiently so you're not having to navigate it you can book a case review call at lessstresslife.com or kristabigler.com and you can get on our schedule there would love to help and go through your history your case history with you and help you figure out a good linear plan we deal with gut health and digestive issues all the time. And so we have a pretty extensive toolbox on how to help. And our goal is not to tell you what to do. It's really to empower you to be knowledgeable, to understand it. So you don't need us long-term and you can keep things going on your own. All right. hope this episode was helpful. If it was, leave us a review and I'll talk to you next week.